We are going to continue today in our series that we just started last week. We're calling this the Gospel of Freedom. We're going to spend uh, a good number of weeks in the book of Galatians, the New Testament letter uh, to the Galatians. And last week, we really began to unpack this word grace and what this really means. And we we decided, we concluded that that grace is not a discount coupon for salvation. Grace is the means of your salvation. You're saved by God's grace through your faith in Christ. And that's uh, what saves you. And today, we just, we're going to kind of jump in a little bit more, just drill in a little bit more on this notion of the gospel, the good news. The word gospel and the word uh, the phrase good news, it means the same thing. It's, a, it's the same word. And so I'm going to read Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, and I'll read through verse 10. The Apostle Paul, he says this, he says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, verse 10, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Well, we thank the Lord for His Word this morning. So this gospel, this good news by, uh, you know, of salvation by God's grace through our faith honestly can be maddening for this reason. It seems too easy. It seems too easy. Uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says this, the wages of sin is death, but the Free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Free gift of God. No, nothing should be free, right? But it is. And, and, and why? Well, it's because God loves you. God loves you. God loves your neighbor. God loves your mother-in-law. God loves the person who lives across the street from you. God loves every person found and lost. God loves everyone. John 3.16 says this, that God, this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. How does God show His love? He demonstrated His love this way. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God showed His great love for us by sending Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Not... Not sending Jesus, okay, Jesus, I'm going to send you down there. Let's see how they do. See if they can kind of finally prove that they're good enough. Then you can go to the cross. No, while we were still sinners, Jesus went to the cross for you. Think about this. Jesus knew all your terrible deeds and went to the cross for you anyway. Incredible. Amazing. That's God's grace. That's God's love for you. That is the gospel. And the gospel has to remain good News. It's good, and so it's got to continue to be good news. Something we share joyfully and is joyfully received. Now, in our family, we have a, a bit of a running joke. Um, in our family of four, there's a couple in particular who two 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 of my family members are love to create things in the kitchen. 
uh, love to try recipes and, and make stuff. And um, as you can see, I'm well cared for, um, so I'm not complaining about it. But we have this running joke where um, we'll say, did you follow the recipe? Well, I, yes, but I, you know, I added a bit of this and a bit of that. Or, well, yes, I totally followed the recipe, except I didn't have this ingredient or that ingredient. And so I substituted and, well, then you didn't actually follow the recipe, did you? Not exactly. And we all laugh about it and enjoy a good meal uh, most of the time. Um, not complaining, not complaining, right? Well, there is a recipe for the gospel. There is a recipe for the gospel, and it only works when we stick to the ingredients. And the ingredients are this. God's grace plus our faith equals salvation. Salvation is then, of course, demonstrated by the, the fruit of good works, the, the, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, the, 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 the good deeds that we do. But salvation itself is only by God's grace through our faith in Him, not our good works. Now, there's always a temptation to add to the recipe, to throw in a little this and add a little bit of that. And, 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 and we, we, the moment someone says, well, you also have to do X, Y, Z to be saved. We've, we've fallen from grace and we've turned back to religion. You know, to really be a Christian, uh, you, you have to, you know, you know, you've got to read your Bible an hour a day. If you don't, you're kind of not really saved. No, it's God's grace plus our faith equals salvation. This morning on the way here, actually, um, there were these, um, at, at one of the many intersections I have to stop at on the way, my way here, uh, there was these three young women walking across the crosswalk, all with uh, long dresses, long hair. Uh, and uh, it just reminded me of many sort of religious groups, um, Christian religious groups that that you know, are pretty specific about how you have to dress to sort of belong to God's people, to belong to the community of faith. You need to wear your hair in a certain way and wear certain clothes or guys have to have a certain kind of beard or or a certain hat or whatever it is. And, you know, my heart grieves for that because I would never want them to think that by doing these things, it's part of what makes me saved. Now, I get why. I get why they teach long hair and long dresses. It's it's this concept, this biblical teaching of modesty and not kind of overly adorning ourselves so that we're drawing all the attention to ourselves. I get it. I understand why. I'm not saying it's a bad practice. And if it's done from the right heart, great. But if it's done to say, this is how I'm part of the family of God, they've missed the boat. They've misunderstood. Not saying they're not saved, but they've put themselves under a law instead of living under freedom. And so that's what we want to kind of get into here. Paul is clearly, clearly frustrated with these Galatians, these believers that, that you know, started so well. He, he writes this, verse 6 that we just read. I'm shocked, he says, that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news. See, Paul's not complaining about his feelings. He's not, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm hurt. You guys aren't listening to me. That's, it's not Paul. It's, it's not Paul they've rejected. He's saying this, that a return to religion is a rejection of God. I mean, think about this. It's actually 
you know, I, I put in my notes here an exclamation mark and a question mark because I'm saying, wait, how can this really be? How can a return to religion be a rejection of God? Don't we use the word religion and the Christian religion? And we use we we love using that term and we understand what it means. But the problem is when it's about rules and regulations, it actually leads us away. Paul, he says, you're turning away from God. Not turning from himself, Paul. Not turning from the church. Not, not anything like that, but from God. So I am not against rituals and routines. I want to be really clear about that. In fact, there's rituals and routines that I practice and that I encourage you to practice. So I'm not saying that. But the very actions, here's the, here's where we got to be, you know, the caveat in this is that the very actions meant to show your devotion to God can be the very thing that turns you away from him because your trust becomes gets placed in the routine rather than in Jesus who we pursue who we seek and how how can that be how can the very thing that's supposed to make you more closer to god be the thing that actually could lead you away it's when we count on our effort for salvation that's when we become self-righteous and nobody wins in self-righteousness making using my my own doing to make me righteous and it's a little bit confusing i get it there's like boy you really have to think this through verse 10 paul says that look i seek to please god i'm not you know i'm wanting to win god's approval i don't want the approval of of man well you would think that if he's seeking to please god that sounds to me a bit like self-righteousness isn't it except that there he's talking about his behaviors not salvation so i'm saved by god's grace through my faith but i want to please god in my behavior because of the salvation that i've received and so it's kind of counterintuitive i think and so i think that's why paul even invites accountability on this into his own life i think he knows that he's at the risk adding extra ingredients to the recipe. I think he knows that he's at risk of throwing in a few spices and a few extra things because he himself was this Pharisee and he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and he was super religious and he understood all that jazz before he came to Christ. And so that's why he says, verse 8, let God's curse fall on... I mean, that's a big thing. When you say, you know, God damn or, you know, God curse, boy, that's strong language, Right? Let God's curse fall on every anyone, including us, Paul and his companions, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. Wow. What's he saying? He's saying that the message is greater than the messenger. The message is greater than the messenger. I, I think you could probably think of some of these sad stories of, of people who started well in, in their faith in Christ. Maybe they're preaching the gospel you know, their, their leaders and so on, only to go sideways in later years, off the track in some strange doctrine. Sometimes it's because of ego and they just kind of believe their own press release a little too much. Or sometimes it's, you know, there's so much pressure to be an expert. And, uh, you know, I, people sometimes look puzzled at me if they ask me a really hard theological question. I have to say, I don't, I don't know. You know, and there's this pressure like, well, you should have the answers. And then sometimes we make stuff up because, you know, the mystery is so amazing. And we just, well, I think it's this. And so we we're at, at risk of going off track or sometimes the leader is just so isolated and, and doesn't have good accountability 
around them that they that they lose track and the you know the messenger actually abandons the message and that's why you've got to be familiar with the truth of scripture for yourself for example you know if i were to do something like that go off in a weird doctrine i would i would want the church i'd want god's people to hold me accountable it's like hey did you really mean what you said when you said that and i've had people do that to me like oh no that's I'm sorry you misunderstood. It was this or, or what have you. And, and today in North America, I think we're seeing some real apostasy in the church. I mean, crazy stuff. We've, we've got, you know, uh, there was a thing in the, during the election, there was some pastor who came out and, and said, we proudly support abortion and, and the church supports, you know, we as Christians believe. I'm like, what on earth? Where did you get that? Uh, that's, that's what we call apostasy. That's leaving the gospel. That's that's teaching something else, and um, and 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 it happens because they get away from the truth that Jesus came to rescue us from sin. I get I get why they're trying to be compassionate and try to include everybody in, but they they miss that Jesus actually came to rescue us from sin by His grace, not to somehow make our sins more palatable, more acceptable. And, and people will let you down. People, I promise you this. People will let you down. I will. Your spouse will. Your teachers. You will be let down by people. And, and that's kind of hard. And this last couple of years in, in particular, for example, there's been some big names in Christian music and public media who have, who have left the faith in really outspoken ways. Um, and there's a guy named Josh Harris. A couple of years ago, who who publicly left his faith. Josh had written these books. One of the books was called "I Kiss Dating Goodbye," and it was about Christian purity. and And he has just completely rejected the Christian faith. Uh, there's a, a you know gifted worship leader. He just brought us lots of great music, especially through the through the 2000s. His name was Marty Sampson. Again, publicly left his faith, turned his back. You think, how does this happen, right? Um, media, YouTube personalities, Rhett and Link, I don't, I don't know what their last names are, but, you know, same thing, kind of a very public abandonment of their faith. And, and, and you look at that and you think, well, maybe they're right. Like maybe they make, maybe they've got a point. Maybe they know something I don't know. And, and you've got to understand, like what Paul's saying, look, even if your favorite messenger starts teaching you the wrong thing, don't go for it. The gospel is the gospel. The truth is the truth. Hang on to it. And so, um, you know, the, the, someone else's changing of the message doesn't change the message. The message is more important, more permanent than the messenger. Yeah, you know, this just keeps coming back to the simple truth that God loves you, that he died, that Jesus died for your sin, that you can be forgiven and made right with God by your faith in God's grace. All right, don't buy this thing that Jesus came to somehow make our sins acceptable. That's not what Jesus came for. I want to look again at verses 6 and 7. He says this, again, where we started. I'm shocked you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. It was God's mercy that called you. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. The truth of the gospel offends people. It really does. 
we said last week, we pulled out of 1 Corinthians, that the, 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 the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It sounds dumb to those who don't get it, right? So in our zeal sometimes to get through to people, we can fall into two extremes. One I would call, one I would call legalism and one I would call license. Legalism on this side tends to create more rules and regulations, create a structure so that we can really help people be, you know, religious. And the other extreme um, kind of twists the truth to make it more accommodating so that anything goes. And so the result of those two extremes is that people get hurt. I don't know if you saw a news story this week. Uh, there's a church, Adventure Church. Um, they've been meeting in the Tower Theater for a couple of years. And... Um, those of us in the church community have known they've been in the process of of purchasing the Tower Theater. Well, that hit the news this week, and of course the reporter did not get a statement from the church, which I thought was pretty disappointing. And the response, the backlash to the news article was harsh and and mean-spirited uh, and just said terrible things about the church and about Christians without actually knowing anything about the real situation. And, you know, my heart just, just was really kind of breaking for these responses because they were really spoken out of hurt and ignorance. People who haven't really heard or experienced the true message of the gospel, haven't seen it really displayed in action. And so just kind of hurling all these accusations at this horrible church, my understanding that the church was still intending to use the, the Tower Theater as a cultural center and so folks could still do you know, use it for public events and so on. But uh, that sale probably will not go through now, but it's because of the twists and turns, legalism and license in the gospel that folks get hurt and then they hurt people, strike out in hurtful ways. I want to jump to verse 10. Paul says this. He says, obviously, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing purple, pleasing purple, <laughs> If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be a servant of Christ. Following Jesus is going to be unpopular in the broader culture around you. And we remain true to the gospel by pleasing God rather than seeking to please people. Appeasing people is always going to lead to a distortion of the gospel. Resulting in these extremes I've mentioned, license and legalism. But pleasing God avoids extremes. We're going to just kind of finish up with this point. Pleasing God avoids extremes. I think Paul really hits it, hits the nail on the head here that, you know, if you really want to keep everybody happy, don't bother trying to serve Christ. (laughs) Don't bother. You're never going to get there. Our goal is to please God himself. And, and these two extremes of license and law or legalism are attempts to please people. Um, even if they seem either righteous or compassionate. Let me explain. Legalism, for example. Legalism seems like good righteousness, good rules, regulations, keep you on the straight and narrow. You know, the problem is that it's a morality-based salvation. You're, you're you, yeah, you're saved by grace, but really you got to be a pretty good person. That's what's going to save you. And that's not a biblical teaching. It's by God's grace through our faith. In spite of, remember, while you were still a sinner, that's when God loved you. God recognizes how sinful we are and he loves us anyway. 
And so legalism on the outside looks pretty good, but it doesn't work. License, on the other hand, the other extreme, is the removal of moral standards to try to make people feel better. Like, hey, everybody's in. We include everybody. It's fine. But that doesn't work either. Why? Because it fails to lead a person to true repentance. That person doesn't come to that point of saying, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness of my sins. I need to be made right with God. And so that's the problem of license. What Jesus invites you into is liberty. Liberty. Freedom. That's where you're invited. Because liberty recognizes we all sin. We still do. Right? Liberty recognizes that we're forgiven by Christ Himself and that sincere faith is demonstrated, it's proven by our true repentance of actually turning from our sin. Not that we don't ever sin again. We're still going to struggle with sin. Uh, but it means that you know, we recognize only Jesus can forgive us and restore us. Uh, I remember, oh man, this is a bunch of years ago. Um, in the first church we planted, my partner uh, was, was baptizing a guy. And, uh, and uh, he says, I'm being baptized today so that I won't sin anymore. <laughs> oh man, you are going to be so disappointed tomorrow. <laughs> he, he didn't understand that that just because you turn to Christ, just because you get baptized, doesn't make you perfect. Uh, if anything, the struggle really continues. And so uh, we need to understand that there's liberty in Christ. Uh, be yourself. Don't live under a bunch of rules and regulations. But don't live that just anything goes either. We live in this freedom and liberty that Jesus gives us. I'm going to invite um, the worship team, Christy and the team, to back come back and You've got a couple, two more songs to, to lead us in, but, you know, just think about how frustrated Paul was with these believers. Here's Paul, this, just this amazing evangelist, apostle. I mean, he, he's just pursued God intently. He knows all about rules and regulations. He knows how to be a Pharisee. He knows how to be a really religious dude. And he's really frustrated with them that they're becoming religious dudes and dudettes again. He, he says, you, you had it right. Initially, they had it right. But now, because of false teachers, they're being led to add a bunch of regulations to their salvation. And as believers today, we need to constantly, constantly stay on guard against adding ingredients to the recipe. Nor can we just say, well, anything goes. We just put in whatever. The way to freedom, the way to liberty is to keep coming back to the simple gospel. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but would have everlasting, eternal life. That's the, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And you think, oh, it's just, it's too simple. And I don't, listen, simple is all you need. Simple is all you need. Keep it simple and you'll watch. You, you're, you're more able to live in that liberty that, that Jesus offers. Let's bow in prayer. Jesus, thank you for, for this message. And, Lord, we struggle with sin. We've got friends that struggle with sin. We 
we're imperfect people. We're, we have imperfect kids and imperfect parents and imperfect spouses and imperfect bosses. And helps for us to recognize that we're all in need of Your grace every single day. We're all in need of Your grace every day. And Jesus, I just pray for that the person today that has never really been able to receive Your grace, but has just been trying and striving and checking all the boxes and, and just trying to prove how good they are, but instead would just let go, just stop resisting and just fall into Your grace. Your grace is enough, Jesus. Thank You. Thank You for that. Let it be what empowers us in these crazy trying days. Loving our neighbors as we love You and seek to please You. We thank You, Lord, for Your Word today. In Jesus' name, Amen.